Games Podcast. The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of a egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, if you have a game, and it is good, then get time and it will thrive, and you will be rewarded. It's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news, we have the latest titles that we are interested in, of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews, and then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals, uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the next game on, bitches! Welcome to episode number 276 of 76 Trombones Led the Big Parade of the Best Linux Games Podcast being recorded for you late on this Sunday, the 9th of February, uh, 14.55 p.m. Pacific Coast, left coast, coast to the most time. Crack engineer. I wore Melina over there in the booth holding up the whiskey sign. That's a good idea. Good. Mm. That would, of course, make it for our sequel friends. Uh, 2020-0209-1455, also known as 2.55 p.m. Like I said, left coast, coast of the most. Ivor, you're fired. Ivor shuffled the uh, rundown for this week's episode. Uh, And we have a huge show. So, Ivor, you're fired. Fuck off. All right, let's get straight to our top stories because we have a lot of top stories and then we have a great um, review. Actually, I mean, a bunch of bunch of our top stories are fucking rad this week. This was a very, very good week for Linux stuff, in my humble opinion. So, first off, uh, last night I broke 
my toes, my left foot, and uh, I'm kind of in crutches now. So I won't. I, so the one thing I wanted to get done this weekend was to pull some prints because I got my whole studio set up now, and uh, can't do it. Can't can't walk without crutches. <laughs> Actually, I've uh, crutches weren't as good as this four prong cane thing that I found. But anyway, the reason I bring that up is a lot of the games that, men- that we're we're covering this week are weirdly enough until like I lost the ability to move on my own power and two two legs um I gained like newfound respect for for physically disabled people I mean fuck whole life has got to be like just I'm talking about like you know navigating and getting shit done it's got to be a fucking nightmare because I was thinking this morning I was stuck uh, I don't have a cane, and I realized right before I went to bed that I could no longer walk. Um, and so then I was like, well, how do I get a cane? I have to go into the store. I can't put on a sock. Uh, well, I couldn't. Now I'm feeling a little be- a little better. But, um, so yeah, anyway. Ironically, uh, a bunch of the games in this week's episode, as I was doing, as I was working with Ivor to supervise him putting together the right now before he got fired he uses the Scrabble method of assembling the rundown um, it occurred to me as I was writing each title down like wow that, that is like totally opposite of the fact that I can't walk anywhere right now uh, it all started last night with the justice fishing but we'll get there in a moment okay so one major oversight in last week's episode, this is not a correction, it's more like just a major oversight. Um, another game has been checked off the master list of games needed, you know, that I, I originally created, hypothesized um, before starting this show, needed for uh, Steam to support to make Linux an appealing, attractive, modern, and viable uh thing to get interested in for serious hardcore gamers in the, you know, I don't know, 13 to 35 age range. Um, Meaning that either these franchises would have to get a port of some game or release their next game with support for Linux, either via Proton or whatever, or failing uh, the reticence of some companies in publishing uh, conglomerates to um, imperil their relationships with their um, somewhat more traditional vendors, their major vendors like you know Microsoft and Xbox and you know, blah 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 blah. Um, the appearance of a suitable play alike would need to appear. Well, we can check off another game off this list now. This game I bought, I bought it today. I haven't played it, but it's called Temtem, T M T M. And last week, Bulldockers and Splinter and everybody just gave me tons of shit about fucking Temtem. Temtem is like Pokemon, but it's inside of an MMORPG. It does it, the Proton DB reports say that it runs great multiplayer or whatever. Um, Boldy, I think, played it. Boldy loves it, because Boldy loves Pikachu. Hopefully we'll be able to remember Ivor, you fired fuck, to add that particular video snippet of glory to uh, this week's show blurb. So you can see it, the Pokemon 
the Pikachu. But anyway, um, Temtem is, you know, a monster gatherer, cell shaded MMORPG game where you capture monsters like Pokemon um, and make them do battle with each other, train them, and etc. All, all sorts of Pokemon based shit. Mm. According to Boldy, it ran great. So, there you go. That is another fucking. I mean, we need to. <sighs> I don't know, I thought we were going to run out of categories like three years ago but no, it's funny how so many categories that weren't even on the original list but definitely a Pokemon collector game style game post um, the advent of uh, whatever the Pokemon uh, mixed reality, augmented reality game, I can't remember what it's called I don't play it because I'm well, right now I don't play it because I can't walk anywhere. <laughs> no, I don't play it because you know, I am a man. I am a heterosexual man. And I am a grown-ass heterosexual fucking man. I might be a drunk. My teeth might have all fallen out. Broken toes, a cripple. Ah, broken, drunk, and drunk and broke and broke again. And an insane artist. And a deranged musician. And a man who is by nature socially fucking awkward. But no fucking way am I copping to major Pokemon fan <laughs> at the end of that list. No way. No, thank you. I'm not judging. I'm just saying some people have standards. But hey. <laughs> <laughs> this took a really brutal oh man last night I was delirious with the pain I, I'm not I'm not drunk right now uh, I've been up for nine hours but I'm not I'm not I'm not lit that's right I was holding up the whiskey sign read my mind we have such a huge show we're gonna be here for hours today I can feel it we're doomed <laughs> we're doomed um anyway so yeah, that's Temtem, T-E-M-T-E-M, which retails for $34.99, and it is an MMORPG, so it does rely on the internet and stuff, uh, but Boldy said that it runs great. Mm. Okay, up next in our top stories, many thanks go out to friend of the show, BPR, Blaster PR, aka Blaster, who sometimes uh, we host on our Twitch live stream. And who hangs out in our Discord server? Which, if you're not a, if you don't join our Discord server, then you're like missing out on like more of this shit than you could ever possibly want. Um, and you know, images of my screen prints and, <laughs> and ranting and yelling at people and more fun than you can stand. But uh, many thanks go out to Blaster PR BPR um, for earlier this week showing us, if you're like the rest of us, um, you know, you're pretty into gaming and stuff, so you probably have some games that or some friends from games that you want to bring into you know, like um, TeamSpeak, like, you know, blah and so you are probably already familiar with Discord, this is not a whole thing about Discord, but this story is about an amazing update amazing thing that they crammed into the last update for Discord as of this last week, you can now full-on desktop share to anyone, screen share your desktop to anyone in your friends list or whatever on Discord. And what's even cooler is you can do this for like multiple people at once and each person uh, 
the voice, their microphones are turned on and everyone gets bounced one by one. You know, you don't have to set up like a, uh, it's not like a static thing. It's more like an IRC room. It's fucking brilliant where everyone can hear each other and everyone can talk to each other um, while looking at this one person's desktop. Right now, for Linux users, though, unfortunately, I imagine they're working on this, but for Linux users right now, the actual de- sound from the desktop, like the desktop audio out, like as in like OBS, um, that stuff does not go through the uh, screen share. But it's really cool, and you can, like... <laughs> Just like, see, uh, BPR wanted to show me his fucking wallpaper, which is so sweet. He has some Dead Cells animated wallpaper, and he showed uh, using that same thing that I talked about, uh, also from BPR several months ago. I can't remember the name of the program. Join the Discord if you want to know the name of that program. We'll we'll hook you up. Um, but yeah, and it was me, him, and uh, and I'm at, uh. Anna Senpai and uh, Splinter, um, and we're you know we're all there. Splinter doesn't talk because he doesn't have a microphone, but uh, he's a cool guy. T- he's a cool guy too, though. Uh, but yeah, and, and it, it was it was amazing. You could totally use it to stream porn. You would have to like move your microphone to your speaker. And don't worry, I did describe this the way I imagine how I would do it if I had to to everyone in the in that stream um and you guys can talk like so it's great like for all sorts of collaboration but anyway um so the way I would do it is I would move my microphone you know if, if there's no way around it and right now it does not seem that there is a way around it I would pipe my I would move my uh, mic way close to my speaker and so then you would have that wonderfully disorienting experience of porn where the audio is just out of sync, but it's still fucking free porn. Like now I have the coolest thing about this is that now I have a vehicle to share, show, and demonstrate the absolute horror of Sex and Gun 2 um, without fear of censorship, reprisal, or takedowns and stuff. So that is really cool. Many thanks go out to Blaster PR for showing me that. That was so cool. And nice to meet you, Anna. Senpai. So that's in Discord. Uh, okay. Now, up next, the the heading uh, in the, the rundown for for this for the for this topic is ProtonDB, what the fuck? Uh, so, if you've been listening to the show for any amount of time at all, you know that I love fucking ProtonDB.com and for uh, um incessantly and uh, ardently um, encourage anyone who's a fan of gaming on Linux uh, to contribute to ProtonDB um, etc. But I have to say that I was very disappointed to discover this week that like four or five of my last uh, Proton DB reports have not been published, which fucking sucks. Now, even worse is there's no editorial mechanism to. I mean, I, I 
I keep meaning to go on to the Discord. I, I, their Discord, you can reach them on the Discord. It's great. Like, you just talk to them um, and a whole bunch of other people from the community. Uh, but they're, they're, they're really cool people to talk to um, in general. Uh, but the thing that's been preventing me from doing that is I, I keep meaning not to do it when I'm drunk and or stone because I'm really angry about this. They haven't posted, they haven't published. I'm not going to open it up right now because I have so many browsers open that are actually important for things I have to do later on. But like literally like five of my most recent from like last like month and a half um, submissions, they, they haven't published them. And since there's no editorial mechanism for them to tell me why they haven't published them... I just want to say that this is really lame that they haven't published them and it's a big disservice to the community. It's actually a violation I say of the bond of trust that they form with people who take the time to actually submit stuff to them. Now for me this is not a deal breaker. This doesn't you know incense me incense me beyond you know the ability to speak or anything. I'm a fucking copywriter I've been a journalist for a lot of years. You know, I'm, I can roll with the punches, but the th- fact that there's no editorial feedback or anything, they just let your submission just like fucking die there. And there's no mechanism because it, they don't, you know, they just don't post it. I don't know if they slip through the cracks or whatever, but there appears to be a pattern to them. And that's the other thing that I want to bring up. Um, but because there's no editorial mechanism for them to, you know, say, oh, no, this is not right. We think you need to make, you know, something, anything. Finding this out that, you know, a month and a half's worth of submissions, not all of them, by the way, there have been some submissions that they've posted, but uh, I think going back as far as a month and a half, there's like five that they haven't. Without, if you don't post them and you don't tell me that you're not going to post them, you make me look like an asshole when I tell people oh well it's sh- they should have updated that you know I-, I was like the third person to post a report about that game which would significantly or has the potential to significantly change the weighting of anyway and it's bad for everybody it's 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 literally publishing bad information at that point and that's part of the um it's part of the implicit contract of trust between anyone who wants to submit a report to ProtonDB in order to help the community and their fellow gamers and stuff and either know about a, a game that w- now works or that now doesn't work or that works great or that requires specific fixes. ProtonDB over the last year has become absolutely uh, not last year, over the last like six months has become absolutely an indispensable resource for me to the point where I plan to sponsor them via Patreon and I still do. I'm not, I don't bring that up in terms of like trying to make a threat, like either, you know, you better change this or I'm gonna, no, that's not, that's no. They can run their fucking site, you know, blah. But this does bring up the other big problem that I have with ProtonDB lately is, and this is something as a guy who's worked with CMS's uh, uh, content management systems and, you know, other. Um, you know, like Drupal and shit like that. I've done extensive work, which I mean, a lot of work. Not anymore, but I know how to design this kind of submission system to the point where it gets so over-designed that it becomes not only confusing, but also 
starts to spit out basic gibberish and that's kind of where they are with the way that they've designed their, redesigned their submission process. It was much better when it was just a straight up you know, when it was more straightforward and didn't try to break down everything into, into its own field category. And the reason why the okay, so there, there, here's, here's what happened. It looks as if they wanted to have uh, finer resolution and sati- in terms of their ultimate statistics, whether published or not at the present moment, but perhaps going forward in the future. Um, they wanted to have more easy, easily calculable, sortable, presentable, and etc. Um, and discreet fields for every single fucking aspect of what a game could be. And so through a series, and they do a good job basically of keeping it still pretty short, but it's a much longer and much more involved and much more confusing process. And whoever they got to design the actual way it walks you through it did not, is, is inexpert, I would say. I don't mean this as an insult, but I mean, I've done way better because the ultimate problem with what they've done is that it makes it so that you don't you're never really sure exactly where you should put what you're never sure how close you are to the end of the process which I mean it's difficult enough to get to make people you know want to submit free reports to your site to begin with putting making and it's fine you could put even burden burdensome impositions in between them and doing that and still get away with it but making it so that it's so confusing and so long that the user doesn't exactly is never feels exactly confident that they're entering the right thing in the right place and has so many steps that to like figure and there's no help or anything and by the way, if your you know submission process requires a help menu, then your submission process is too complicated for this sort of information collection. But that's a different story. You know, these are philosophical you know design issues. But the bottom line is this: uh, it seems that they've held up a, a lot of my submissions that have mentioned uh, glorious egg rolls, proton uh, GE uh, fork uh, five one, and. They all. I looked at the submissions uh, last night for a while. Just not the actual like submissions themselves, but like I looked at like all the stuff that they had about the submissions. It doesn't tell you which part of those submissions they felt was inappropriate. It doesn't tell you why they haven't been posted. It's like you know it could be sitting in someone's inbox or whatever, but that's not how the site works. So that's doubly infuriating to me. But uh. And ultimately, what this spits out now, in terms of, like, other people who are searching the database, is a less usable um, in terms of, you know, SEO, search engine optimization and shit, uh, Google introspecting your website to actually pull the uh, stuff from individual entries, individual submissions about individual games, um, which is something that I, you know, have relied on heavily over yeah, especially over the last six months, it's become indispensable to me. But it it doesn't. None of the none of the discrete and more ordered information in terms of the way that they make uh, s- people who are submitting submit 
translates into anything that is um, visible or is beneficial to the end users of the site. It might be great for metrics. I'm sure it actually is. I'm sure it's very valuable um, to put a finer uh, finer tooth comb through that you know level of resolution through you know your stats. You could then see you know in like five more months after this new system you'll you'll probably be able to see some trends that are kind of interesting, correlative trends and stuff like that. But it's a massive pain in the ass. You'll also see over the next five months the um, volume of submissions decrease, I imagine. Not significantly because, you know, if you're willing to submit something to ProtonDB, then you already care a lot. Um... But it is demoralizing and it's way too complex. It takes too long. And uh, yeah, it's never good. Whatever data you think you're collecting, it's never good data if the person who is filling in the form doesn't know or is ever confident that what they're putting into that field is the appropriate place for it. Uh, Trust me, I've over-engineered these types of systems many, many, many times. I've also streamlined them many times more. Anyway, so that's ProtonDB. And also, like, if you're not going to publish something, you need to tell people that you're not publishing it. Like, not only is it common courtesy, like I said, it's a violation of real trust. Like, I don't mind them publishing, you know, my Steam username and all that stuff. In fact, I love it. But, uh, yeah, it's much better with a big block of text entry that the way they used to with no length limit. That was great. But by the same token, they have made significant improvements in uh, automating the submission process to the point where even non-technical users can, if they really care enough, they can get into submitting and that's the that's super important as well. Because otherwise, you know, we need to grow the pool. Always grow the pool. So, next story. We're we're gonna be here for like it, we're thirty minutes in. We're gonna be Ivor. We're gonna be here for it's gonna be the shortest episode ever. Ivor just put that pistol down, Ivor. It's not funny. Uh, now he's stringing up the rope. Oh god, he's gonna hang himself again. Jesus. Okay. Well, fuck you, Ivor. He's undead already, so it doesn't matter. He knows that that means that we're gonna be here until fucking seven o'clock tonight. So, up next another game, now this game we can't tick off yet because I haven't been able to test test it but uh, I do know that it's available on Stadia and that means it will run on Stadia and they did it for Stadia then chances are they will have done it for Proton, maybe they really shouldn't have to change almost anything to make their games run with Proton. In fact, Proton is that's what Proton does. Proton is the thing that changes, not the other way around. I don't know. But if you have really poor practices across the board, or if you have idiosyncratic practices, practices, you know, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, another game from our list. I wanted a Supercross game. You know, like Excite Bike. Remember that game? Which I always called Excitebike for the NES, Nintendo Entertainment System. You know, remember it? two-dimensional, pseudo-3D demi-isometric, side-scrolling dirt bike, motorcycle jump stunt game. Although you couldn't really do stunts back then. You could just do jumps. Um, An obstacle course racing. Um, 
with a with one of the first games that I can recall having a level editor that was just amazing. Uh, Joe Danger and Joe Danger Two for the iPad are you know other examples of this. Well, if it runs, I haven't tried it yet, and it's expensive, so it might be a while. But as of this week, Monster Energy Super Cross Two has been released, which is to, like, I think, positive reviews. It's kind of mixed to tepid, but um... And uh, Splinter, in the Discord, said that he played it for uh, a console a while ago. I think it was a console. I can't remember. Um, and that it was good, but that it... That it kind of sucked, and then he couldn't really pinpoint or remember why he thought that. But now we have full-on fucking... Excite bike, dirt simulator with tricks and evidently awesome physics in full on, you know, photorealistic 3D. We'll see if it works. That's Monster Energy Supercross 2, which I think retails for like 60 bucks. It's a lot of scratch. Also, in our top stories, a big fucking piece of news. So, if you followed um, this podcast for the last, I guess, maybe 11 months, you know that one of the ones that I constantly, one of the games that I constantly check to see if it now runs or if they fix this thing has been Strider, which I've checked maybe every three weeks for the last, I don't know, maybe a year. Something like that. I could look it up, but it doesn't really matter. It just feels like a thousand years. So, originally, Strider, which is the sequel to the original Strider, this is the the reboot, and it's Strider and Metroidvania, and it's awesome. It is awesome. I mean, it is amazing. But there are problems with Proton. Specifically, um, when I first got it, there were... Someone on ProtonDB... I think aptly diagnosed it by saying that it looked like there was a broken shader for like that's like used all the time in like all of the three dimensional backgrounds of every fucking second of the game and then sometimes in the foreground as well um, so that you had giant blocks of uh, next generation materials you know, textures, shaders, com- uh, combination blah, that would appear as giant glitchy black um, flashy blocks that really sucked. And there are some scenes in the game that, like, were just entirely composed of those, like, especially when it in darker areas of the game. But the sound worked. That was like 11 months ago. But the game was unplayable because of those. I mean, they were so ugly. They weren't everywhere, everywhere, but they were, like, I'd say 60% of the game's fucking visual real estate during any given play session so time goes by I got um, Proton, uh, Glorious Egg Rolls Proton GE 5-1 for whatever that game was from last week I can't remember what the fuck it was but whatever, it doesn't matter Uh, and so then I I, I hooked that up into Strider just to see because I hadn't tried uh, anything beyond Glory Sake Rolls GE4 on Strider. And lo and behold, the biggest problem with the game completely fixed. Glory Sake Rolls Proton uh, GE5 1 
which Strider now makes it so that the game is 100% visually perfect. However, there is now no sound. And I can't find any ProtonDB reports where anyone explicitly talks about, or any bug reports, there's one thread where they allude to it, but no one ever explicitly explains what the fuck steps they did to fix it. But anyway, the biggest and most important aspect is that the game is now visually 100%, and it is awesome. It is amazing. If you're a fan of the original game, this is so much like the original. It's, it's like the original times 100. It's like the original distilled and then re-injected into like the most amazing um, thing, and it's a Metroidvania. I, I know I, I've made many pledges never to say that word on this show. I break them all the time, so I thought I'd just break them faster before apologizing this time. Um... So yeah, it's it's an exploration-based, free-roaming, two-dimensional side-scrolling platformer in full 3D, uh, the likes of w- with th- some of the most unbelievable graphics, and every play mechanic and every aspect of the game is completely faithful to the original arcade game, not the NES game, which is called Strider 2, which I've also beaten, but was nothing like the Strider in the arcade. Which, I will admit this shameful thing, this is a weird fact, even with MAME, I have never beaten Strider. Not in the arcade, not with MAME, not with infinite credits with MAME. I don't use cheats with MAME because it's kind of pointless. You know, you're really just blah. And I've never looked up. Oh, and the reason why I've never beaten it is because I've never been able to kill, even with infinite credits and like six hours, never been able to kill the final boss. I think I knew how to do this once in the arcade, but I do not ever remember doing it myself, and I do not remember what the fuck it is you have to do but I spent six hours in MAME within the last three years in like one sitting um, trying to beat that final boss in the arcade strider. I've never done it. Um, but I have seen the ending that happens after it because you fly away and if, if I remember correctly, you fly away in the hang glider. Anyway, strider now works, so that's super huge news. But it has no sound. They're working on it and I'm sure they're going to fix it. Also, you know what? I just realized why this rundown, why this show seems like it's taking so long. A lot of this stuff, oh, fuck, I fucked up. I did some of this rundown last night when I was literally sweating. I was in so much fucking pain from the broken toes. Um, but, uh, I didn't break this down. Ivor, you're fired! Ivor, you, I, I remember now, I put Ivor in charge of it. Ivor? You're fucking fired for real! I didn't break this Ivor didn't break this like I asked him to into our top stories and then a new and noteworthy shit well anyway so this is just a big giant chunk of messy top stories don't worry we'll be here for the next six hours this this podcast this episode is never ending so I'm next in our new and noteworthy that's how I realized that that's what happened because every dick looking motherfucker Zombie-ass motherfucker spectral astral malinger! Um, I realized it because I was about to say up next in our new and noteworthy because this next game is a new and noteworthy just like everything else that's been on this list, basically. Okay, anyway. Um, brand new game came out this week that is, looks fantastic. It runs great on my machine. Um, I want to say more about it. I've done about half the tutorial played it for like you know 30 minutes it's called Void Destroyer 2 
and it's just you know the sequel to Void Destroyer. V-O-I-D-D-E-S-T-O-R-Y-E-R. And the reason this game looks so awesome is that it looks like a roguelike light strategy, light tactical roguelike empire building in cockpit detailed space combat dogfighting fleet management colonization combat spaceship flight simulator with cel-shaded cartoon style graphics that look really amazing and has a lot of interesting play mechanics that I, I, I want to talk about more but I don't want to talk about them in this week's episode because I want to get some time with it for two things one to understand really I'm only like halfway through the tutorial and I I have a Alexa stop I have a very tenuous grasp over the implications of some of the things that like I know how to do now or that it's taught me how to do or that you know blah they kind of hint at much more important larger overreaching unique game mechanic uh, design choices that are interesting, but the game is a blastum fest, uh, somewhere between Descent Free Space, Wing Commander, uh, the DVD one, Privateer 2, the DVD one, um, and Mother Gunship, and yeah, but the other thing that so I'm not entirely solid on all the game's mechanics yet. Um, it's a game that's you know played on on a from a micro to a massive scale. Like you start off in like a ship that doesn't even you have nothing, and you, you're going to build this ship into a fucking empire, and it's all in cockpit. It looks amazing. I've seen you start off uh, before they boot you into the tutorial. You start off just like blah with this badass ship in this amazing. Uh, space sector wide um, colossal catastrophic clash of it's a giant space war it's two armadas going at it and it's awesome but uh, the other thing I want to do is figure out if uh, it'll if it'll let me use my uh, my warthog hottest system with it because if it does then that will be amazing and if I can use it with the actual um menu navigation and stuff that will be even cooler that would be awesome I don't know if they will I don't know I haven't tried it yet I haven't had enough time game looks fucking amazing it runs great void destroyer 2 uh, stay tuned to this uh, this here broadcast on your local internet station uh, over the intervening weeks uh, for a lot more info on that game as I, as I get into it. Oh, and I think there's multiplayer for it too. I'm not sure. But anyway, talk about burying the lead. Mm. Oh, fuck you, Ivor. No, I'm drinking. Talk about burying the lead. Right before uh, going to air this week for this week's episode, this recording that you're listening to, 
I grabbed a friend of the show, Splinter, Master Splinter, from the uh, Discord. Like, hey man, you got five minutes? You know, blah. Now, Splinter and I, earlier this week, um, I introduced him to the wonderful, fucking unbelievable, balls-out world of Steam Remote Let's Play Together. Steam Remote Play Together. Um, which, for those, for the uninitiated, if one of you owns a copy of a game that is a couch play game, um, Steam Remote Play Let's Play Together, let's your, any friend that you nominate or any number of friends that you nominate to actually take on the role of player two and three and four over the internet without them owning a copy of the game. It is highly performant now. Um, and so far to my knowledge, this technology that, you know, for all the people that I've been playing with. Oh, yeah. So last week I introduced him to Heave Ho and, um, Towerfall Ascension, we had uh, we failed at Neon Chrome for some reason, which is unusual because that game is usually a great it runs great with uh, Let's Play Together Remote Let's Play Together but today I grabbed him, I press ganged him into helping out the show and he was generous enough to donate the 15 minutes of his time right before airtime a game that leapt out to me that I saw literally an hour before beginning to record this game that leapt out to me also because a friend of the show Quantum on the Discord asked a couple of weeks ago if there were any really good tennis simulators out there so flashing forward and backwards at the same time to you know me press ganging Splinter I'm like hey man can you donate your brain to science for you know 15 minutes so AO Tennis 2 that is Alpha Omega Testicle Echo Ninja Ninja Isopropyl Stargazer number 2 that's right that's right it's official AOPA or that's official FAA AOPA uh, endorsed uh Tower talk right there. A-O-T-E-N-N-I-S space to the sequel to AO Tennis. I saw AO Tennis pop up because Quantum asked if there's any good tennis simulators, and this is another game that gets crossed off the mega list. And I'd wondered this too, because there's some really good ping pong VR simulators. Some of them are better than others. None of them are perfect, or at least quite perfect. But since I got the index, uh, with the Knuckles controllers, um, almost every ping pong simulator I've played in VR has been really good. But there's not been anything for tennis. I need to preface this by also saying this is not a review. But so I, I boot up the thing. I don't know the rules of tennis. The last tennis game that I played that was any good and that I played a lot of was Tennis for the Dreamcast. I can't remember what the name of that game was. And oddly enough, that was the last time Splinter had too. So I pop up an AO Tennis. He doesn't know what the fuck I'm doing. I remote, you know, you just right click on whoever you want and you say remote play together and it invites them. And uh, then they have a controller in your game where they can have the keyboard in your game or whatever. Remotely. 
It's awesome. It's like jumping into someone's living room. It's great, and it gives you a good, a great chance to preview games that um, you thought you might want to buy, but whatever. The only stipulation is that they have to be um, games that are not designed with inherent online play, or so I thought. For instance, like Far Cry 5 ostensibly has online multiplayer, I guess. I don't know. Uh, what's a better example? Uh, something with... Uh, oh yeah, Mortal Kombat you know, uh, 11. Mortal Kombat or Mortal Kombat 10. Mortal Kombat 10 has online matchmaking, meaning that like if your friend could play with you via Steam Remote Play, that would just be fucking software piracy at that point, because they don't have to have a copy of the game. So that just like obviates the internal matchmaking and etc. So if it, if it's a if it's a couch play game, chances are it's a Steam Remote Play Let's Remote Play Together game. Okay, so all the games that I have ever tried with Remote Play Together have all of them combined are not as sophisticated graphically and physics simulation wise as AO Tennis Two is it ran flawlessly on my end I sucked at the game because I the game has a lot of idios- has a bunch of idiosyncratic things about the way uh, the controls work but they were crisp and clear for me Master Splinter said that he was playing with his VPN enabled which evidently fucks him up a lot because he has um, a medium bandwidth he's like you know uh, mixed demi-rural demi-suburban uh, uh, network coverage. Um, so with his VPN was evidently a significant handicap. He said there was some buffering, but that was due to his connection. Other than that, though, he also said that the controls were uh, responsive, fluid, tight, and etc. The graphics in this game are the most sophisticated that I've ever run a Let's Play Together thing off of. And the game is the best tennis that either of us have played since the Dreamcast tennis game. Also, again, neither one of us knows anything about tennis. I I know nothing about tennis. I know and Splinter agrees with me on this too that tennis broads, some of them are um, fucking astonishingly hot. Um, Yeah, but it's all real license likenesses of Tennis stars, you can as a character editor, and it runs flawlessly via Steam Remote. Let's remote play together. Later on tonight, we're gonna do another rematch. This time we might play doubles. You can do doubles on your team or whatever. Other interesting thing is that AO Tennis 2 does appear to have a built-in online matchmaking function so that you can get matched in like ranking system, other players other shit, you know, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I've only had the game for less than two hours now, and I've only played 25 minutes of it. But I was very impressed that it ran and everything. One thing about AO Tennis 2 is like so many of the other things on in this week's episode, it does require uh, Glorious Egg Rolls, Proton, uh, GE 5.1, or 1.5, whatever, the, the 5 series, whatever the latest in the 5 series is. Um, to run. After that, though, it runs flawlessly. I did not test the multiplayer uh, functionality. I did file a Steam report, a ProtonDB report, I mean, of 
this of these findings uh, minutes before we went to air. So, I'm losing my voice now. You can tell I got no sleep last night. Fucking goddamn foot. Unbelievable pain. Um, I, I'm, I'm much better now. I just can't walk. So that's AO Tennis, which does absolutely... You don't need... It has a whole single-player campaign, too. Like you, Multiplayer is not absolutely essential for the game. At least I don't think it is. Also, before we get to our feature, which is a review, talk about burying the fucking lead. I thought AO Tennis was just amazing, though. We both had so much fun. I asked him, like, literally, because I, I, I try to, you know, like, we were doing this for science. Like, I wanted to know what his experience was like, and then also I wanted to know if the game was fun for him. Um, we both were like, this is the most, I almost, it was like three, three exchanges back and forth in, in, uh, in a Discord chat. Uh, between both of us saying is most fun I've had playing tennis since Dreamcast tennis, and he just bought a Dreamcast ironically off of eBay. He wants to he wants to mod it. I don't. I didn't ask why though because I had to come in here and record. So last thing, if you've been listening to this uh, podcast for the last um, I guess two months now ish, maybe three months ish, uh, you would know that I the great resilvering of my ZFS array has been an ongoing concern. This week, it finally finished. Yes, I now have an additional 13 terabytes of free space mirrored across my four drive. It's four drives. It's weird. I always say six, and I always get the size of the the array wrong. But anyway, it's all done. It took about three weeks, and I had to get that OneDrive RMA'd, um, which Amazon was great about. Uh, literally, it's so cool now when you have to get a part... Re- when you want to return something to Amazon, they give you the option to return it to a UPS store, and if you select, if you opt for that, here's all you have to do. You put it in a box. It doesn't even have to be the box. You don't tape it up. You don't tie it down you could just like basically get it in there so it could be like a huge thing to be really cool it gives you a QR code you could print this out if you wanted to but it's way easier just to have it on your phone you walk in you say yeah Amazon return and they're like oh cool give me the code they scan it literally they will repack it they scan the thing off your phone or off your printed paper it's way easier on your phone and they email it to you too, so it's like it's not a big deal. They scan the QR code. They you have to wait another five seconds for them to print out the receipt sticker. They give you the receipt sticker and you just walk away. There's no money, it's free. Then if you don't the other cool thing is when now when you return certain items, I'm not a shill for Amazon, but this is awesome. Cause that's amazing, because that's like no more lines and no more getting fucking nickel and dimed over fucking packaging materials or you know, like it 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 takes the onus away from the customer, the consumer, for items that might frequently need to be returned, like, you know, such as apparel or whatever, or hard drives. Um, Seagate Barracuda, by the way. One of them out of the box was dead. Um, so other cool thing is, if you do it this way, you can take it to any UPS store too, by the way. 
but you have to do it within 30 days. What's cooler than that is that if you do it this way, they don't wait for any notification that you have actually returned the item before shipping you your replacement. If you don't, if your if you the original item that you bought isn't registered as being like you know en route to them within three days, they give you like an exact date too. They don't just say within three days. It's like February twenty fifth was the thing for. Then they don't care. They charge you for the cost of the thing that they sent you. So they just sent me a new hard drive the day, actually, the day that they became available, which was three days before I actually sent my broken hard. Anyway, so the ZFS array is resilvered and is fully functional. Many, many thanks go out to Master the Machine, the Robo Lord, Alan Jude, for helping me out with my specific question about the resilvering process. And uh, also, many uh, props and thanks go out to uh, Equally Masterful um, Don Quixote uh, Claire DeLine, uh, M.W. Lucas, uh, both of whom have done all the FreeBSD Mastery books, which include uh, FreeBSD Storage Mastery, whatever, ZFS, the ZFS book. It's the book you need. You, you'll love it. It's great. Um, and then also the Advanced ZFS book, which I have not had a lot of fun with, but whatever. I just don't have the hardware to experiment with in terms of like a lot of the things that, that get done in there. And it doesn't break down a lot of like the advanced features in a more programmatic way that I would like, but it, they're both very good, and I'm sure that um, for a real-time operator, uh, advanced ZFS is probably an indispensable um, cookbook-ish uh, set of solutions and stuff. There was valuable information in there that I could not, that I needed to have in order to resilver this magnet. It's a huge array, fucking thirty-two gigab, thirty-two terabytes. Awesome. Up from sixteen, obviously. So that brings us to this week's feature. Talk about bearing the lead. I'm going to take a break before we do this, but that's right. It's review time. Our review of Far Cry Five. In accordance with the laws and regulations regarding the internet within your local jurisdiction, Best Linux Games Podcast now presents you with a dose of clap. Just kidding, motherfuckers. It's review time. Aha, so, our review of Far Cry 5. Now, before we begin, a uh, couple of things. As ever, our criteria for our, literally, this has been true since our inception, has been that either I have played 20 hours or more of the game, enough to get a full, complete sense of the game, or have beaten the game before I can review a game. I've logged, uh, let's see, 23 hours in Far Cry 5. I am. I'd say I'm about a third of the way, if I were to guess, uh, through the game. Uh, I have a very good sense of the game play itself and of the game, etc. And didn't want the... And 
kind of have the feeling that I could spend maybe another 70 hours in the game, which I will do. I will beat the game. Um, but anyway, point is, I have enough uh, time logged to give you an intelligent review, I think. Um, and of a, you know, uh, a fair assessment of the game. And by the way, the game is amazing. Uh, also, there are two technical issues. One, it does require Proton uh, G Glorious Egg Rolls, Proton uh, Fork 5, 1 or better, whatever the new 5 series is for Proton GE. Otherwise, it won't run. Two, it does also require uh, you to register uh, for a Ubisoft, Ubisoft account um which if you've done before like to play same thing same thing with Rayman Legends as featured heavily uh several months ago in a couple of episodes of this show that also required you to register with Ubisoft but the one interesting thing is that if you did it for Rayman Legends you can just use the same handle and they're linked it's like this other launcher and that's what Steam calls. And that brings us to the third technical thing. Um, the Ubisoft uh, dashboard launcher thing. I had problems um, getting it to not steal focus from the game um, initially. And I can't remember how I how I fixed it. But ultimately what you want to have it do is minimize itself to the system tray. And that brings us to it's, and also in regard to the Ubisoft launcher, you don't want to do anything through that launcher, and the game will launch fine. It'll just call, you know, through Steam, it'll just call the Ubisoft launcher, and that, you know, is a, whatever. Um, it's a pain in the ass, and it's an irritant, and there's no way to get rid of it. Uh, that I've tried, but there are methods on ProtonDB under the Far Cry 5 reports. Uh, or Googling that uh, they say there's a parameter that you can change in a config file that will make it so that the game will forego launching the Ubisoft thing, but it doesn't matter. Other problem with the Ubisoft thing is that when you shut down the game, sometimes the Ubisoft thing minimized in your taskbar will be Come impossible to kill. You won't be able to close it. You won't be able to. I've not been able to identify its process identification number, uh, like through top or whatever. So it generally forces me to do a restart of the system, which is, you know, blah, an imposition, a handicap. But if, you know, you're on a, if, if, you know, you're playing the game on a server, like for your company or whatever, and that machine is, you know, requires constant uptime, that would be a big deal breaker for me, but then again if it was such a mission critical piece of hardware why the fuck are you playing video games on it? So before we go any further, let me just let's not bury the lead. Far Cry 5 is absolutely, it earns our highest award, worth full price, all price, any price every day, all day every year, all years and is 100, 100% worth it. And, it's a, and it is an expensive game. Without any of the DLCs and without a season pass, which I will eventually be getting and experimenting with, but just the bare game itself, uh, purchased at full price, which is what it is right now, is 60 bucks. 
and that's for the lowest end of the full game. Um, with all the DLCs, I think it's another 40 bucks or something like that. It's an expensive game. The technical difficulties that I outlined, you know, to start this off with, are of such limited, um, complexity in terms of the fixes required to, to ameliorate them that I feel that that's within anyone's reach to easily do. Like in under 30 minutes, even if you have no idea what you're doing, you can find out the information out, how, you know, blah. And that means that this game is one of the best games I've ever played on Linux. It's also one of the prettiest games I've played on Linux. It's also checks off that, checks another game off the list, like we mentioned last week, uh, a Far Cry Ubisoft game on Linux. And this is by far the best Far Cry I've ever played. Now, my background with Far Cry, I remember reviewing Far Cry 2 for the paper, which required me to rebuild my entire computer and resulted in three weeks worth of um, rescheduled deadlines with my editor, which did not make him happy, but I was trying to explain to him that I need to fucking buy a whole fucking new computer you unless you're paying for, you know, blah, 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 blah. That was Far Cry 2. Far Cry 1, for those of you who are un- uninit- uninitiated, what marks uh, the, ad- the full-on balls-out advent of a quality of game being developed that was that surpassed um, all of the other traditional, larger, more prevalent um, countries and uh, market forces from within Croatia. Far Cry 1 was Crow Team's creation. It was the most graphically complex game uh, when it was made of its time, but it also incorporated uh, play mechanics and elements of realism, stealth, and th- I'm not reading this, I'm just I'm just remembering it. Uh, stealth and um, geographical puzzle solving uh, and sense of swashbuckling adventure, along with their inclusion of swimming and water effects that were on a caliber and of a par and of a central core uh, importance to the game, the likes of which they'd never been seen before. Also, one of the first uh, legit hardcore AI stealth games for its time. Now, I can't remember. Also, kind of a go anything open sandboxy kind of thing, even in one. It was more open than other games that you were used to because not 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 in terms of design, but in terms uh not in terms of like, you know, actual point to point um, you know, game design, but in terms of the fact that all of it, almost all of it, took place entirely outside and incorporated vehicles that were really awesome and very realistic and seamlessly did so. Didn't there were no loading times between getting into a uh a Jeep or a uh, getting onto a jet ski, etc., which was revolutionary for the time. And the graphics were fucking phenomenal. Other uh, companies that came up during this specific moment, it was great. Um, other companies from Croatia of the period, some of which had incestuous relationships, either before, after, during, or all of the above, with Crow Team, uh, where people can fly, uh, famous for making the 
also genre redefining um love letter to hexen updated uh first game ever with in first first person shooter ever with bosses that were 30 stories tall painkiller um also uh the series sam team uh all, all these all these companies intermingled with each other and they all were in Croatia at this specific time. I'm pretty sure that that's true. It's how I remember it. I should probably Oh, here's the post-it note. Ivor, I told you I told Ivor to fact check this, but he's still he's undead. He thinks that hanging himself is gonna threaten me. So anyway, Far Cry 2 doubled down on all of that, uh, on all of the elements that uh, made the original such a monstrously difficult to get running on any modern system. Buggy, but unbelievable and worth it. Um, expensive investment in time, energy, configuration, and patience while waiting for patches to be issued, etc., etc., etc. It introduced elements of light horror and uh, the stealth elements from the first game now became like really hardcore um, major major upfront uh, focus for the gameplay. I never played 3, I never played 4. Many props and thanks go out to Master Splinter who two weeks ago when he saw that this is one of his favorite games he, he bothered to post in our Discord that he had read that with Proton GE 5, Far Cry 5 was playable. It runs flawlessly on my system. Remember, I have a 1080 Ti. It's one of the best adventure games I've played in a long time. Here's the premise. Now, this is, of course, going to be a spoiler-free review. This game offers you broad, um, broad and rich, uh, Characters, choices, decisions. Um, you get to do whatever the fuck you want. Get to go wherever the fuck you want. Get to talk to whoever the fuck you want. Get to kill whoever the fuck you want. Um, the illusion of free will is fantastic. Along with hardcore narrative, free-floating major story elements that don't feel like they come at you like choose your own adventure binary series of choices they feel completely organic and that combined this is like the ultimate apotheosis of the for me the ethos of the original Far Cry 1 and Far Cry 2 you have limited inventory you're limited to what you can carry the game is exceptionally realistic insanely violent has um, but for the first time ever is now truly a complete open world sandbox. So here's the here's the setup. Spoiler free. Okay, say with me. Spoiler free. First, cheers. Oh. Oh, and by the way, the game in terms of visual beauty. It's not my new standard for all time visual beauty in a video game on Linux which I can't remember if it's Mad Max or which uh, got re- it got unseated a while ago fuck I'll have to look that up I'm talking about my own fucking podcast the standard for visual beauty maybe it was the forest no it couldn't have been Mad Max is pretty anyway it doesn't matter this game is not the new standard for visual beauty it is 
unbelievably 100% fucking gorgeous. I've had no performance issues, except occasionally, this only happened once out of maybe 15 play sessions, 20 play sessions. Um, One of them just started up and it was just janked. Like it was skipping frames, the whole game just did not work right. I shut it down and reopened it, ran fine. No loading, uh, pretty seamless uh, spawning of entities, massively complicated geography, high frame rates while traveling at high speeds with hundreds of shit, hundreds of objects traveling at speeds, hundreds of times, you know, normal human scale, uh, all in like a huge, huge area, um, with lots of entities, like lots of actual, like, NPC entities strategizing against each other and nature and also, and you, and, you know, all at the same time flawlessly. So here's the setup. Hope County, Montana. Now, I spent a summer in Montana. Montana and that air, that part of the American West. Drove all through it, you know, all through Dakotas, Badlands, the whole fucking thing. Uh, but my uh, sister lived in, in outside of Belt, Montana. Belt is outside of Missoula. Belt is a mailbox. Living out, literally, that's it. It's not a post office, it's a mailbox. Um, that's Belt. And outside of Belt, about half an hour outside of Belt is where my, my sister lived for a, a number of years. And my, and my nieces and eventually my nephew. Um, I know Montana pretty well. I mean, not for not having lived there. Like, I mean, you know, like as way beyond a tourist and way beyond stuff you read about the books. Montana is one of my, one of the most magnificent places in America. They call it big sky country for a fucking reason. And at night, when you're not being tortured by fears of the rattlesnakes um, that might be upon you at any moment, you can lie not on the high grass, not by a river, but on a hill and look up at the sky and see more stars than you've ever seen anywhere in the entire world in your entire life. And it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And the land, it's... Mm. It's amazing. I did a bunch of fishing in Montana that trip. And I did a type of river fishing that I've never done before or since. Where so my uncle uh, posted me up on the side of this little stream, little, just a little bit more than a stream between a creek and a stream. And he, he sets me up, and he, he says, "He's like, okay, stay here, try not to move, and don't make a sound. They can see you." Because you're so close to the stream, you have to be so close to the stream. It's so small a stream. The fish were huge. So they could see you. They could detect movement. They could see you. They were close enough to see you. So it was stealth fishing. It came back an hour and a half later. I I had some I, I had some bites. I didn't I didn't get I don't think I caught anything that day. But yeah, that was super fun. 
I was like, oh, no, man, I'm, I'm great. I'm, you know, mm. sitting there crouched on this rock. I like, you, I mean, like, wild deer and shit. I'm like, no, I'll, yeah, no, I'm good for another two hours. That was such a great day. So there is fishing in Far Cry 5. It's not as good as that fishing, but it does, having spent the majority of my time in the game, that this is it. This is at once the truth and also a lie by omission of context. It's not the full truth. This is why all of my streams of Far Cry 5 over the last five days have been uh, called Justice Fishing. So, but here's the setup. We'll, we'll talk about Justice Fishing in a moment because I have an episode of Justice Fishing. We'll be out of here in an hour and a half. You know, by an hour and a half. Isn't that right, Ivor? Ivor just shook his head from his noose. That's sad. He knows. He knows that that means we'll be here for fucking five more hours. So, here's the setup. Hope County, Montana. Very realistic seeming Montana. Everything about the game, the territory, the geography, the sky, the clouds, the the weather, not so much. Well, the weather, yeah. Actually, the weather. Um the wildlife and even to a lesser extent the actual people in the game but we'll get to that in a moment are very much Montana all the friendly people in the game are very much Montana as I knew it 20 years ago longer than that 27 Jesus Christ I'm getting old and it's it's beautiful it has real time day and night cycles but we'll get we'll return to that in a moment with the justice fishing so you are the rookie. You are in a helicopter, like a Sikorsky, or like a light, uh, something in between a Sikorsky and a Black Hawk. You are the rookie. You are accompanying a federal marshal and the local chief of police to serve an arrest, a warrant for the arrest of one Joseph Seed leader of a militant Christian fundamentalist cult that has overtaken Hope County with its uh, psychopharmacopic but really just religious insanity based, fear based apocalyptic based uh, cultish brand of uh, fundamental Christianity and is infiltrated slowly from its epicenter outwards until the entire county has been corrupted and overrun by it and uh, their actions uh, take on the behavior and characteristics of any uh, organized crime family uh, kidnapping, racketeering extortion murder uh arson, larceny kidnapping blackmail and drug manufacturing and distribution at least I suspect that last one and that combined with all the guns in the world and a bizarre fucking twisted uh 
megalomaniacal, uh, narcissistic, uh, you know, malignancy uh, made Joseph Seed the final arbiter of what is God's word and his insane followers are all too ready and willing to bring about the prophecy as you guys are landing in this helicopter the sheriff advises the rookie, you and the marshal that this is a terrible idea but anyway, you guys do it the helicopter, guess what doesn't make it radios are dead you and the marshal barely escape the exploding helicopter the peggies, that's what they're called the followers, the cultists uh, project at Eden's gate a, 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 a uh, dark apocalyptic fundamentalist militant Christian f- psycho cult Peggy's who have either driven off converted, killed or enslaved ev- almost everyone in Hope County at this point by the time you arrive You and the marshal flee from the Peggies after the helicopter doesn't make it out of there. And that's when you're treated to like a full-on free-roaming absolutely desperately hunted run-rabbit-run experience that elucidates and elaborates on what you suspect has already occurred that they have literally corrupted every aspect of society within Hope County, that they are Hope County, that they are beyond the law. Furthermore, it would appear that by trying to to arrest their savior, their godhead, Joseph Seed, that you have fulfilled the first stage of it, their dark, of his dark, you know, prophecies of foretelling of the collapse and the end times and every prepper's fucking, you know, blah nightmare. So you flee one way, the marshal flees the other. Eventually, you guys meet up again. This is still spoiler free. And there's a rail shooter sequence after which you two are separated again. You are picked up by a local who hates the Peggies but doesn't like you any better because you've set off the shitstorm by trying to serve this fucking warrant and he dresses you in correct clothes gives you a little bit of intel and then you can go out into the world and do whatever the fuck you want start off with a lead pipe and nothing so this is where the concept of justice fishing comes in you can get your first rod in the game. Uh, the game gives it to you somewhere close by. Um, oh, yeah. The premise of the game, though, is that Joseph Seed and his followers have divided the entire county into five different areas. Each one of them has a secret, heavily fortified bunker. Not just a base, but a bunker in each area. Each area is composed of many, 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 many different um, points of interest. 
landmarks, hidden prepper stashes, um, and cultist base is cultist base. A cultist base is a point is a control point that has an alarm system that you have that you should disable before killing everyone there and liberating that base this gives you a foothold in that region and there are the there's four or five different regions and they are enormous we're talking like on foot takes an hour maybe to cross one region if you're trucking and really focused and really lucky um so you start off with a lead pipe Oh yeah, and the the goal is, of course, to kill to create a because there's no one coming to help you guys. The radios are cut. You have no way to get back to to send a SOS back to civilization to send in the National Guard or whatever, anyone, someone to rescue you. And the Peggy's go insane after you fulfill the prophecy and so they now sees everything this all happens in like real time like you see it like they shut down the roads they take over the radio they cut all the communications um blah 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 and they get more and more powerful as you know you go through the game and you can do whatever the fuck you want in the game you can liberate the bases you meet characters who give you uh side missions and also intel that unlocks more story missions you can hire um, autonomously controlled hired guns NPCs that are recurrent and have actual stats there's persistent uh, uh, what do you call it um, RPG elements throughout uh, in terms of you you can upgrade your skills by using skill points that uh, points which you can get by doing any number of things you can also buy weapons sell uh, skins and loot for money um, buy and upgrade your clothes, buy and upgrade vehicles, and there's every type of vehicle in the game, air, land, and sea, generally all of which have m- military variants. Um, helicopters, seaplanes, traditional planes, ATVs, trucks, um, big rig trucks, uh, tractors, Threshers, uh, oh yeah, pontoon boats, uh, uh, jet skis, um, airplanes, seaplanes, and then also on top of these methods of conveyance, the I particularly love the trucks. The cultist trucks are great. Oh, vans, um blah no matter what you do you're gonna you know run into peggies however you take them down is up to you once you've liberated an area or have like a significant foothold of control in an area you have fast travel points but I prefer to actually travel in the game in the game um cause generally you're never too far away from any vehicle that you could possibly want um, worst case scenario with planes uh, which I love to fly and they're my favorite method of conveyance there's, let's say you don't, you're not big into learning how to land the planes fly, the planes by the way out of all the aircraft are the most realistic and they're basically single engine uh, seaplanes in general 
um, with a pilot and and a uh, uh, a ride along seat behind him. Some of the planes, some of the actual. Uh, these are the only planes that I've flown so far but eventually there are other planes that have actual fucking weapon systems mounted on them uh, same thing with helicopters helicopters are the least realistic feeling of any of the things but pontoon boats are great um, the trucks I really like they feel exactly like the real trucks would feel like they feel big and heavy these are like basically luxury crew cab um Ram style trucks and they drive very much like Ram style trucks but anyway so in terms of airplanes let's say you're not real wild into learning how to land which is not difficult the helicopters aren't possibly easy to land but so are the uh, seaplanes as well um, you just drop all your speed basically nosedive and then you can, if, as long as you, you don't like literally just go nose first into the water or into the ground it's just going to land you which is fine because you're doing enough things as it is. So, I, I oh yeah. So let's say let's say you you're not big into landing, or let's say you let's say your plans have changed on the drop of a dime, which they absolutely always do. If there's one thing that's constant in the game, it's that whatever it was that you are doing or thought that you were doing is not what you're about to be doing, and that is going to change immediately after you start doing whatever the next thing is, and then eventually you'll cycle back and so on and so forth, which makes this game an unbelievable freeform, roguelike adventure. It's not a roguelike in the sense that it, it's it's an old school single player experience, but it's an open world sandbox Grand Theft Auto San Andreas style um, highly realistic, highly graphically violent first person shooter it's amazing so let's say that you're not big into learning how to land planes or you don't like planes but sometimes you need a plane and that's true in the game or maybe you just like the the uh, surprise and distraction of crashing your plane without you in it at the exact right spot as you ambush the whole fucking rest of the base and stuff, you can do this and it kind of works in a way. It just generally pisses them off, but it doesn't matter. For those people, you can use airborne conveyances. They're easy to take off. They're easy to land, but whatever. If you just hate the whole idea, they are the fastest way of getting from point A to point B, generally. Then there are two perks that you can unlock. One is a parachute that is always with you and that you can control so, ah, we're coming up to the target zone, jump out the fucking plane the other one is a wingsuit, which I like even more, and you can shift once you get the wingsuit, you can shift between the wingsuit and the parachute Um, just remember that terminal velocities do apply as you switch between them and that uh, what would look like an ordinary gentle landing, relatively gentle landing in the parachute had you been descending all the way in the parachute might actually be an absolute death sentence if you've switched the parachute from the wingsuit and you have insane velocities going I don't know, it's only happened to me once but I hit a sign and it 
killed me instantly. So, this brings us to our final topic. Oh, and by the way, all the people that you meet, you liberate hostages everywhere. They're programmatically generated and they're regenerated and regenerated and regenerated. The enemies patrol programmatically. They're different types of vehicles. They have overrun all of Hope County, though. So you have to rely on stealth. The stealth takedowns are great, especially at first. Uh, once you get some guns or a good bow, and then you upgrade the guns and the good bow, and you upgrade your other stuff, and then you unlock another weapon slot and a pistol, and you got three weapons on you, and you got grenades now, you should be pretty good to go, but there's stealth is, perv- is a pervasive thing all throughout the game, and it is I would recommend, this is you know, if you don't, this is not a story thing, but once you find your first merchant, it's probably a good idea to start saving up money to buy a suppressor for whatever your favorite type of weapon is, if that weapon does support a suppressor. I particularly favor sniper rifles, um, and suppressed sniper rifles are fantastic. Also get the parachute and uh, the wingsuit as early as possible because they are magnificently fun to play as play with so when you kill anyone in a patrol like let's say there's you know you're just like by the side of the road like running down the side of the road by the freeway eventually sooner rather than later I'd give it about maybe three minutes it depends though a random patrol will spot you and they will come to kill you in their truck and if you don't kill them fast enough and even if you do there's a good chance they've already told everyone else where you are and so now you will have two choices, you'll have to kill everyone and they will keep showing up for a long time, you'll have to kill a lot of people or you can just stealth them out, you can just like kill the next truck full of guys and run, or you don't even have to wait for them, you can book it whenever the fuck you want depending on the types of vehicles they have that can be a relatively uh, super easy thing, like if there's a tree line nearby, or a, or a lake or a river or an airplane or just get in a vehicle yourself and fucking cruise away shooting people th- while you're driving is, well again, a hallowed hallmark of the Far Cry franchise, it's back in spades Also, while you are exploring the uh, places away from the roads, until you've secured some roads and stuff. Mm. You will find it beneficial to always be aware of the fire control setting on your weapon. Hopefully you have an automatic weapon. Different regions have their own uh, fauna, their own wildlife. And while every region is has elements of all the other regions, there are predominant creatures in certain lo- specific locations in each region and in general. Like some places, oh, there's like you might see like a dire wolf kind of thing once every, you know, five hours in one region. In another region, that's all that you will see, and you will see them constantly. Same thing goes for cougars, bobcats, panthers, those type of creatures. Bears, black, 
Oldie from Grizzly. Uh, that would be Grizzly. Oldie from um, M. Brown. Uh, same also goes for Wolverines, Turkeys, and other miscellaneous creatures. Foul and otherwise, or otherwise foul. And then every region and waterway has its own specific, each area of it has its own specific type of fish that defines that area. Some of them are, there are multiple places where you can catch the same type of fish. There are some places where that's the only place where you can catch that kind of fish. So, once you get a rod and you realize that you probably want some money, like a lot of money, and you find a river... Talk to all the NPCs that you can find, by the way, because each one basically will either offer to become a gun for hire, especially if you've freed them as a captive. Don't kill the captives, by the way. It's bad. It hurts you. It's your reputation. Um, and look for jail transports. Those are white vans with a bunch of hostages in back. Try to kill the drivers, not the hostages. Also, be aware of them crashing into shit after you kill the driver you don't want to kill all the hostages by blowing up the fucking thing all the same rules apply over and over again throughout the game it's very realistic very graphic first person shooter where you must lead a guerrilla resistance you, you have to gather it and lead it and destroy Joseph Seed and the Peggy's project at Eden Gate and foil their plan their cultist cultish plans to do God knows what the fuck to the rest of the world so anyway in your quest to do this initially after you get you know you get a gun you know there's guns everywhere you get a bow blah but eventually you get a fishing rod and that's when you need to start fishing and that's when I realized that I was going to have a theme for all my live streams I was going to call it justice fishing and here's the now, I never explain this in the Twitch stream, but this is the idea behind Justice Fishing. Every fish that you get, you can sell easily, along with all the rest of your loot, for easy cash. Fishing is fun, and it's beautiful, and it lets you see, gives you reasons to go all over the fucking map. Inconvenient places in the map, too. In dangerous situations, with you know, untold adventure, but beyond that, even in the most prosaic and, you know, generally calm fucking totally safe fishing hole, and let's say you have dog meat. Dog meat is my preferred companion. That's not his real name, but it's Ray Ray's dog. And the cool thing about having him as your number one companion, instead of having a guy with a gun, is that one, he runs faster, swims faster, and is smarter, generally, than your own companions. But two, when you post him up someplace, if you you know, send him to a specific location just by, you know, down your down your normal sites or wherever you're looking you just press G and that that flags that location as where you want your NPC follower to move to once he's there he will automatically tag and highlight any enemies that come into the area and he will stay right there so if you need to fish, eventually he becomes very valuable because he clues you in to his spidey sense. The sounds that he makes <clears throat> are what lets you know if you're in danger. 
before you have him though, let's say you're alone. So you get to a river and you're like, I need some money. And you don't know why you need some money, but you want some money, right? Yes, you do. Because you're a greedy sinner. So fishing, once you get the hang of it, it's really pretty easy. The difficulty ramps up. I'm I'm at a boss fish, my first boss fish. If you want, you can look him up. He's called the Admiral. I spent two hours trying to fucking reel this guy in. I don't think I can do it. I've quit the mission. He's so hard. But all the other normal fish, fishing is challenging sometimes. Always entertaining. Always lucrative. And lets you see every aspect of the environment that has water near it in all all types of days and nights and stuff. Now, here's the thing, though. When you start fishing, or when you start doing anything in this game, in general, but fishing in particular, I find, brings this about, because you're staying in the same place, you're doing the same thing, you're relatively, almost always, somewhat exposed, even if you can help it a little bit. Here's Perfect example of what justice fishing means. So I've I've got like three rainbow trout. A three I can hold five of them before I have to sell them. And it's like dusk, and it's been a good day. I don't have a dog. The enemy's back at the HMG at the crossroads behind me. Probably due to respawn sometime soon. It doesn't really matter to me. I have a silent sniper rifle. It's actually a just it's a it's a it's a pseudo it's it's a long gun. It's an automatic rifle with sniper scope. <sighs> like an M16-ish kind of thing. And so I'm halfway through reeling in this last fish that I just really want, and then I need to go buy some med kits. And I hear the familiar buzzing sound of a watercraft coming around. I pull out my uh, my scope or my binoculars and I scout. I look all around. I see them very far away. I pull out my rifle. I hold my breath. I, I make sure the fire selector is set to single shot. They are really far away. They are like Hundred and fifty meters away, and they're on a jet ski, and there's two of them, and they're and I wait till the indicator atop their heads turns into a red triangle, meaning that they are cultists. They haven't seen me. I'm crouched in the riverbank, um, and I'm you know like half a mile away with a semi-automatic rifle trained on their heads, and I take my lateral shot, hits the guy in the back in the head snapshot it out of the blue one shot, one round, one kill flies off the back, his buddy starts to freak out another headshot for him they're dead doesn't seem like anyone's coming after them I pull out my, my reel again and justice fishing can recommence Like I said, I was at three of five fishes. This this shit happens all the time, constantly, by the way. I'm just giving you an example. It's three out of five, 
And it's the dusk is like taking a long time to drop. I got my fourth fish. This is like maybe five minutes later, six minutes later. The guy on the dock next to me, I'm on the riverbank. Guy on the dock to my left, mumbly motherfucker keeps talking to himself. I'm much more than a fisherman. I blah blah blah. He'll buy all my fish and he'll sell me guns and he'll also allow me to change which guns I have if I've unlocked other guns. And he'll also allow me to customize my guns and buy ammo from him. And other shit. He's a walking merchant. All the merchants are, well, not all of them, but they're like traveling merchants throughout the game. This guy loves to appear here. And he's a fisherman too, so he appears at many of the fishing holes, which is great because that means you always have someone you can sell to. Hmm. Other times, the comp, the finding a place where you can sell your your fish and your loot, and re up on your supplies and change your weapon configurations, gets more complicated. So he's over there to my left, and this is five minutes after. I'm now at four out of five. I can carry one more fish before I have to sell them. Then I can't catch any more of this specific type of fish. I can carry a lot of different types of fish. And dusk, it's, it's really golden now. Like, the whole fucking lake looks like a giant fucking golden mirage. And I'm reeling in this fish, and it's so peaceful. And I hear the the guy on the dock go, Oh, whoa, can I get a little help here? Immediately, as you will learn to do as well, out comes my rifle, I drop the rod. Bam, out comes the rifle. You know, stow the rod. Spoil a child. Goes in my back. Bam. Out comes the rifle. I'm running to where I think he is, and I'm scanning the top ticker tape compass uh, radar that is at the top of your screen, looking for any red dots. Because that guy moves around, and he can be anywhere, and he's obviously in trouble. I jump up on the dock, and I see him on the opposite on the riverbank, you know, on the other side of the dock um, getting attacked by a fucking cougar in killing the cougar, I accidentally shoot him and kill him he'll be back, don't worry, he'll respawn, but that does hurt me in some way, it's bad I think if you kill too many innocent civilians, it takes away one of your uh, points that you use to spend to buy skills. So I go back fishing. It's now full-on twilight. It's like dusk. It's like almost night. Catch my fifth rainbow trout. Go back towards the crossroads because now I can't fish anymore for that type of fish, which is the only type of fish that's right there. The guys at the checkpoint on the trail have respawned. I murder them from a distance. I take their ATV, ride it across into right across the freeway into Ray Ray's pumpkin farm, where there's the perm where there's a permanent merchant. Sell my shit, buy you know a silencer for my rifle or whatever, and <clears throat> then my business completed, I open my map and just as fishing must continue so I find I scan the map and I scour it and I find another good location I decide on the means of transport in this case we need to get a plane Uh, 
So I go, I take the ATV back to where we were by the bridge, the Bridge of Tears, and across the river is a red plane that's always there. I swim across, I kill the same three guards as I always do, I jack the plane. The fishing location that I want to go to is about 3,500 meters away, so it's a good distance. I get a little uh, altitude out of the plane, left side, the right side of the map I have not explored yet so it's all grayed out right side of the map, the same shooter teams pop up and appear and begin taking pot shots at me, which is why I have led led the plane to such a strenuous climb and we are gone we are, we are now flying to I check my map reference and I'm flying to the next Justice Fishing location, so the Justice Fishing is a process, it's an unending road to the horizon, not a path leading to a door where you can knock on. I know Ed Gruberman. So, I get to the fishing location in about I don't know, maybe a minute and a half in the plane. I land the plane, because uh, it's a lake. It's a cul-de-sac lake with uh, Bear Canyon walls all around it and one outlet. Um, I land it. It is midnight. And I get to the bank and I'm, you know, I swim to the bank and I'm about to cast my reel when I realize that I'm hearing from across the other side of the lake nothing but screams and automatic weapon fire. Open up my binoculars, 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 and I see that there's a, uh, a grizzly bear or a brown bear or a black bear. It's hard to tell because it's night only the moonlight is illuminating everything and I'm looking at something that's basically a mile away and there are two cougars and they're not fighting each other which means only one thing that means that they are all attacking other human beings so I scan, I can't see any other humans, then there's explosions then I start seeing the gray X's of dead cultists appearing on the top ticker tape radar. I've already caught three fish, by the way. But now I have to deal... That's like in maybe three, yeah, maybe four minutes. I'm working with great purpose here. Because there are bears here, and it's a cul-de-sac. And bears can swim. And there are cougars here. And there are cultists here. So I'm almost halfway through catching my fourth fish when I hear the sound of an innocent civilian being attacked. But before I hear that sound, I hear this jagged, gut-opening, diarrhea fucking of a sound. It's this sound of like metal being torn by something angry amplified through like a megaphone I drop the rod out comes my fucking gun flip it to full auto I am scanning, I'm looking for the red I see the red dot on my radar, but where is it in my field of view I can't, it's night cannot fuck no infrared I wonder if you do get infrared or heat goggles later, I hope so you do have a flashlight, but uh, I never use it. Scanning. I'm scanning because I know what it is. 
And even though it, it found an innocent civilian that was nearby me before I found an innocent civilian that was nearby me, it feels entirely realistic. I'm running towards the sound now, not necessarily towards the red dot. Because I know it's a cougar. I know it's a cougar. Any cougar that's alive anywhere near you needs to die because they can kill you so quickly. Same thing with bears. And bears can swim and are smart. And cougars and wolves will... Well, wolves will encircle you and they will track you and they are scary. Cougars, though, will run away until you forget about them and then strike again when your back is turned. They're much smarter. The AI for for some of the animals is much better than the AI for the cultists, but the AI for the cultists is very realistic. So anyway, to conclude our, our little story here, I managed to kill this cougar before... It's got the guy on the ground. He's actually dead. I have to revive him. There's two types of dead. There's dead where you can revive him, and there's dead. Lots of times they're just dead. But anyway, I kill the cougar. I revive the guy. He gives me another mission. I go back to fishing. Takes me about 30 seconds to get, you know, running to get back to where my plane is in my fishing spot. These types of adventures happen continuously, intersecting with other freeform objectives such as base invasions, stealth stuff, um, and raw firepower. You get to decide how you want to solve every situation. It's up to you. But rest assured, you're fighting against an evil that's like much darker, greater, pervasive, stronger, and insidious than you've probably anticipated. And all in holy hell gets raised in Hope County, Montana. Fantastic game. Earns our highest honors. That's all I gotta say. That'll do us for this week. I'll catch you next week. Cheers, thanks for listening, and join our Discord server. Many thanks again to PPR Master Splinter for helping us out with the with the Steam Remote play testing of AO Tennis 2 and uh, Bully Lockers. Everybody, cheers. Catch you next week. Hopefully with the ability to walk again. Four or five times. A good idea. Four or five times. Hi there. There is delight in doing things right. Four or five times. It is I, E.B. Farnham. Maybe I'll cry. I'll get you a drink. And if I die, I'm gonna try four or five times. Do you like to play? We like to play. I like you. We like to sing. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yada yada yo. Four or five times. We're gonna have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yada yada yee. Four or five times. Matt Damien. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. 
It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farnham. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. Hello, great justice.